5: Ah yes, the greatest week of the year, at least if you ask me, Rich. This is I absolutely love Masters week. We start the countdown as soon as the Masters ends every Sunday of every year till it comes by the next time. I am jacked to be with you today cuz not only are we talking golf, we've got a lot of NBA to get to. Uh there's even some college basketball, some NFL, so a great great Thursday to be hanging out with the one and only Rich Orenberger
6: Yeah, yeah, I'm pumped to be here too and and like- Thank you, I'm a huge golf fan, huge Tiger Woods fan, and I don't know how many more of these we're going to watch with Tiger um, when he teed off. I think that was in the eight o'clock hour, maybe maybe it was seven o'clock West Coast time. Uh, it's he's limping around noticeably, Dan. You know, he 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 kind of labors as you know he's in and out of a fairway bunker on two, and you know he's kind of. Yeah ah, you know, what am I going to hit? And he's talking to his caddy and you could just tell, I mean, you know, it's, it's rare in golf because it's a sport that we don't really, we don't really tie to athleticism the quite the same way we do basketball or football, but it's rare when we start to say like, yeah, I just, I, 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 I think this guy's showing his age in golf, but, um, but we're seeing it with Tiger. I mean, it's really the the accumulation of of injury for him. But yes, but he kind of looks old, you
5: know. That the car accident was because Tiger's come back from so many things that you think that oh this you know he'll just he come back from this, and I think it's a it's a shock that when when he doesn't or when there is something that is. Um, not in line with with his his comeback. Because there's right. there's a lot there's a lot there. Let, let's dive into this because I think it is an intriguing topic because of just who Tiger Woods is and what Tiger Woods has done. He's Rich Tornberger, I'm Dan Bayer. We're broadcasting live from the tirerack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over ten thousand recommended installers. tirerack.com the way tire buying should be. The reason why I just think that we always think he's going to come back is because we've seen him at his, his ups and his downs, and and it's been basically the last 15 years of his career that this has been this roller coaster of his rich. Like there were – you know, he, he won the U.S. Open on one leg in San Diego in 2008. Yep. And then was wiped out for the rest of the year because of the injury. What people, I think, kind of forget is they think that the scandal – and everything that happened was the what you know was, was the next thing. Well, Tiger played in 2009. Like he played that year, he actually had a lead at the PGA Championship and lost it to Y.E. Yang. But so then the scandal comes up. So then he's got to recover from the scandal. And he comes back and he plays in, in 2010. And then he's got the back injury. And then he's got, you know, the fused neck. And then he ends up coming back from that. And then uh, he goes and wins the Masters in 2019. And then so, so it's, it's been this up and down with Tiger where you just kind of always feel that he's going to be resilient. But to your point, like the physical nature of us watching him walk is is such a you know it's such a signal of really how impossible that comeback is. Like it's yeah. it's almost to me like watching him limp like he does because he just now has a natural limp is just almost a testament that he's even gotten back this far from that accident two years ago.
6: I I am um, I am thoroughly disappointed in myself because you know look as as an adult I'm the one who's uh, you know, let's put it this way, uh, providing the uh, the magic in a lot of situations. Obviously, a lot of households are going to be visited by the Easter Bunny. Recently, my son hit that age where the tooth fairy comes to the house. Oh, yes. <laughs> Santa Claus brought a trampoline this year. We don't wow. know how he got it on right. that sleigh. Kids must but, have been really good. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, they were good boys. They were definitely on the good list, the, the Orenberger boys. But, you know, it's one of those things where, as an adult, you know, you um you watch sports obviously for the magic a little bit to to see people do the impossible but there's also a real um or I should say a reality and and a uh and and especially being a former professional athlete like there's it's even even more so because you know I kind of got to see how the sausage was made uh for many years playing in the NFL I shouldn't I shouldn't have been so fooled that to believe that you know this this person is superman mm-hmm. you know i mean there's no such thing you know there's no there there it's it's um it's interesting i think because tiger woods started to really roar not to be punny here but um in the in the mid 90s and that's really when i discovered sports for the first time and became a fan of his became a fan of golf and in the in the mid 90s i mean i was a kid i was 10 years old and tiger woods was a teenager and I'm beating adults on the PGA tour. You know he was beating everybody. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's it's what captivated us all, and I think I must still look at him, in some ways, through that lens of being a kid. Like I, because watching him limp around today, and and having that really sink in, the reality of him accumulating all these injuries. It kind of made me sad. I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, not not that's that's not the unbreakable man that I I thought he was." Sure. I mean, he's a real human being. He's really struggling with these injuries. I've probably watched the last of the best of Tiger Woods, and and that re- reality really sunk in this morning when I turned on the Masters and saw him tee off on the first.
5: There, Rich, when you talk about when you when you're watching him, and I I think this lends to to what, we, what we're talking about when you see the whole picture. We've been fortunate enough at Fox Sports Radio, especially when when uh, Fox had the TV deal with the U.S. Open, we would go to the U.S. Opens. And one of those, the first one actually, was at Chambers Bay, um, just outside of Tacoma, Washington, just outside of Seattle. And Tiger was there, and I remember watching him and we were standing in the bleachers because in the media section for the bleachers, kind of a funky course to, yeah. to get view, uh, viewing points. But you're right there with everybody else who's in the bleachers. And Tiger was playing a hole and he was in the bunker. And, you know, we, you can't you can't see everything that's one hundred and sixty yards away. But that's where he was. And he and he, you know, took a shot and kept one in the bunker. And there were snickers like people were, were like, in essence, laughing at Tiger Woods. And it was to me was, was appalling because of what he has meant to the game, but also that it got to that point. But that's where it got to for some people. And, and that's where the game got to for Tiger, just did not have the game, couldn't do anything, tried as he, as he did to come back and couldn't do it. And that's what made when he won in 2019, and even the build up in 2018 when he he led the Open Championship for a little bit. Uh, that Francisco Molinari uh, ended up winning at Carnoustie. Then he and Brooks Kepka, you know, kind of went down the stretch at the PGA Championship, and then he goes and he wins the the Tour Championship, uh, which was an amazing scene, and then wins the Masters. But all of those were build ups to the Masters, Rich. And then when he wins the Masters. In 2019, to win his first major in 11 years, you know what the conversation was? Well, now he's going to beat Jack. Yeah, and that was the that was the, the that was the furthest thing from the truth. That that he was like, but you expect like from this guy to go from a spot where I see people actually giggling. At a US Open four years earlier to him winning a major, and now people just assume that he's gonna beat Jack's record of 18, he gives the hope. But I think now what you're seeing, you're seeing a guy limp. You know, and 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 it's the physical nature of it that that brings you in. However, I would also say, Rich, that I think you and me and anybody else who is watch Tiger Woods, we will watch over these next two days, and hopefully he plays the weekend just because of who he is and what he has done. And in the back of our mind, just maybe, just maybe he'll be able to do it again. And I think that's still there.
6: It is. What's so strange is I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. The reality has sunk in. Okay, it's over. But there is that voice inside of my mind that says maybe <laughs> like, yeah. like maybe it's over like it it, it might not be yeah. you know because if there's one thing that I've been ardent uh in defending Tiger Woods uh you know through because like there are certain people who still find the guy distasteful because he had extramarital affairs and everybody's entitled to their opinion um I, that never really it never really bothered me from this standpoint and like by the way like i i mean is it crummy that he did it to his wife uh, sure yeah i i but i mean i don't know their marriage i i don't i don't know anything about tiger woods personally what i'm interested in is tiger woods as an athlete and as an athlete i i've never once watched him play his masters uh, or or in any of these majors, and think to myself, yeah. But I wonder if he reads bedtime stories to his kids. Sure. You know, I, I wonder I wonder if you know while he's you know at the uh, on the practice greens, he makes sure to call home to to the family. Like, it's I I mean, look, there's a separation there. As a fan, I can appreciate what he does on the golf course, and I can completely separate that from what I think about whatever has happened personally or publicly with Tiger Woods. I, I appreciate the athlete. I appreciate the person who's shown such great perseverance. The most recent Masters victory, what was it, 2018, 2019?
5: 2019,
6: yep. Yeah, when he was coming back from the, the latest back surgery um, where everybody said at that point, well, his his – golf career is is over i mean if he's lucky he'll win a couple tournaments here and there but he won't win another major and then he goes out and wins the masters and he does it in the driving rain on that sunday and i was just like blown away i was like this is exactly what i'm talking about this is why you never count this guy out this is what i've been telling everybody like it's tiger freaking woods like this guy is more he's more than mortal Mm -hmm. and And it was sobering this morning because I I think I sort of built it up in my head. Well, not this Masters, but next year's Masters, he's going to be in much better shape because, you know, he'll he'll get through some of the injury stuff. He'll, He'll probably he probably won't be walking with a limp anymore, you know, because when he first got back on tour, I was like, well, it was probably too soon. But it's all he knows. It's all he's ever done. So he was just anxious, chomping at the bit to get back out there and golf again. And I get it. But I was thinking for sure, this was going to be the year where, you know, he started to return to form and all that. And I don't know, maybe well, that ship has sailed. But like, like you just said, there, there, there still could be that maybe hanging out there. And and I'm I'm hoping for it. I know secretly, you know, the inner child in me is hoping that he makes a run and at least makes it to the weekend. That would be great.
5: I still th- I still think that there is, and it's funny because uh, Tiger is actually hitting a shot on 18 right now. Where he had to take his injured leg and basically dig it into the sand, and then get the rest of his stance. But what also is interesting is all of his weight is on that leg. Right. So he hits this shot, and Tiger jumps back and then immediately starts hopping up and down on his left leg, which is his good leg. And this is it's it's a, it's an amazing scene. But there's a 25-year-old player is going to consider the shot that tiger just hit absolutely difficult <laughs> let alone a guy who's you know 47 years old and is you know had just riddled with injuries yeah and and almost almost lost the leg a little over 2 years ago in a car accident you know so like so there's there's, I mean, it's 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 truly amazing. I get what you're saying. It reminds me of Bo Jackson when he had the hip injury. Oh, good
6: and call. In playing
5: playing outfield with with the White Sox, like it wasn't the same Bo Jackson, but he could still gun a guy down at third base from right field, you know, like or or, or, at, or at least at home or, or or do something like that to be like, okay, that is Bo Jackson. And I think that's where we are at, you know, where we're at with Tiger. And I, I, I still think, I still think people think he can, you know he can do it. Yeah. There there are enough names that no one's ever going to match the impact that Tiger Woods had on golf. Um, no one is ever. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's just, it's not possible, but there are enough big names now that may, you know, want to bring you in, but Tiger is still the ultimate draw with all of these enormous names. And here he is tied for 41st right now. He's at plus one. He's at one over par playing the final hole of his day. Not, uh, not atrocious by any means. He'll have to at least shoot a decent round tomorrow to play the weekend. But it's just it, – it, it's not him with a four-shot lead by any means. That is not the case. But maybe what he's doing I think actually could be even more impressive.
6: Yeah, that's actually a really, really good perspective, and I'm glad you brought it up, that even though he's won all these majors and he's won the Masters multiple times, and we've gotten to witness greatness, unparalleled greatness in golf uh, in terms of how dominant he was during his era of winning – Potentially the greatest feat, the greatest accomplishment of his career is enduring the level of injury that he's endured and still playing competitive golf with all these other talented stars of today uh, and making cuts at majors and doing those things because it's just absurd in its in its own right he's still conquering. These unbelievable feats. It's just it pales in comparison to the old Tiger. But if we if we put it into that perspective you just gave us that it makes a lot of sense that this might be the most difficult era for Tiger Woods and he's still playing competitive golf.
5: He's Rich Orenberger. Get him on Twitter at Orenberger. You can hit me, Dan Beyer, up on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at
3: 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
5: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
6: He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
3: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you
0: dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
5: hitting the stretchiest of the home stretch of the NBA regular season just four days remaining welcome in. it's also master's week and in about 20 minutes or so give or take we're going to be joined by a guy who uh contended at Augusta It's played at Augusta Hunter Mahan former uh current PJ Tour player uh, going to be joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, breaking down what's going on at the uh, at, at the Augusta National Golf Club as it is round one of the Masters. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there an unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. You heard Isaac say it. John Rahm and Victor Hovland have a share of the lead. Uh, Tiger Woods, a round of Two over seventy four today. Uh, something we touched on in the beginning. We encourage you to uh, check out the podcast if you missed it. But uh, really, a, uh, a a limping Tiger, which is kind of the norm now, uh, walking around getting a seventy four today, which currently stands in a tie for fifty you He'll have to do a little work tomorrow to try to play the weekend. Um, but I think it's great to see Tiger. But yeah, it's just not the same Tiger that we uh, we were all accustomed to seeing. Kind of like. Rich, maybe not the same LeBron James that we're accustomed to seeing because he was going to NBA Finals for years and years and years, and that is no longer the case. And it's what made last night to me stand out so much in how things have changed for LeBron and really in how things have changed in perspective of of where the Lakers and and LeBron are at this point of the season. Like, LeBron is complaining um, about scheduling, doing, doing so in a, in a very subtle, subtle way, but this is this is something we wouldn't have seen during his heyday uh, with the Miami Heat or the Cleveland Cavaliers. They would just be like, "All right, we'll go it's okay, we'll go ahead and beat you anyway." But it's gotten to the point I think where LeBron and the Lakers, uh, or at least LeBron's gotten to the point. Well, yeah, maybe some th- certain things bother him. Maybe things aren't going his way. Gets under his skin a little bit, and he didn't like the back to back that they had to play to wrap up their road trip.
6: Yeah, yeah, and and listen, we're living in an era at this point where a lot of the stars from yesteryear are are starting to age and they're not making decisions or comments that um we're used to hearing right like for example when have we ever heard tom brady talk about his personal life and use that as an excuse sure yeah you know he missed never he missed he missed parts of training camp and then when he came back he was like hey guys you know I've got a lot of bleep going on, just like the rest of you. You know, I'm just trying yeah. to figure it all out. It's like we never heard that before. You know, Tiger Woods. You know, and, and granted, maybe he has a great excuse because he had, like, life-saving surgery, let alone leg-saving surgery, to get back to where he's at. But, you know, instead of the normal, you know, Tiger Woods at the podium – we hear a guy who's talking about how he's trying to manage his new normal and, you know, make as good a strides as he can and play competitive golf. But the, you know, the fire isn't quite there the way it used to be. Um, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, for crying out loud, is making, mis- uh, making excuses. <laughs> sure. I yeah. mean, when, last 25 when, years. When have we ever heard him talk about, like, his credentialing at the podium? But, like, you know, he's answering a question about, hey, what would you tell the fans to expect for this upcoming season, especially since, you know, you guys had a lack of success last year. And he goes, I don't know, maybe use the last 25 years as a reference. It's just like, yeah, I mean, that's these are all firsts. And these are all happening fast. And then here we are with LeBron James, you know. Instead of talking about how – you know it's postseason LeBron time. You know it's it's time to turn it on. This is where the season begins. You know we're we're you know we're gunning for a higher seed. We want to get out of the play-in tournament, get into the you know get into the real tournament. You know he's he's complaining about scheduling. I I just listen. I I'm not saying I'm not saying it's expected. Like a star doesn't have to age gracefully, but there is something. I don't know. It's, there's just something that, that really sort of grates on your nerves a little bit where you hear somebody who for decades, literally decades, in all four of the cases we were just talking about, ha- have had this like insane competitive edge to them every time they spoke to the public. To see them start to make excuses now, it, it's, it's odd. It, it just strikes me as odd every time I hear one of these, st- these stars speak that way.
5: And we're going to hear from LeBron in just a second, but it felt like an argument to me that was built on toothpicks. And 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 this was this was LeBron after last night's loss to the Clippers. Um, it's a, it's a little lengthy, but I think it's worth it. And pay, please pl- uh, pay particular attention to what he says in the last uh, last bit of the the clip. But this was LeBron tough after they lost. Go ahead. It's one of the tougher, uh, toughest games we've had this year. Just uh, you know, coming off the road trip, and even though this was a road game, you know, just um, you know, getting back, you know, late last night, but after an overtime game, and you know, it was a tough game for us. Obviously, we started off in the first half not so playing Laker basketball. We had some good spurts, but uh, not enough. So this is one of those, uh, those scheduling conflicts, you know, in the season, <laughs> and uh, definitely got the best of us tonight. Scheduling conflicts in the season. Of course, he's talking about. Uh, back to backs, and uh, we know LeBron's take on back the one uh, take on back to backs. Rich, the one thing I will say is LeBron is at least consistent. Yeah. Like I think when you're complaining about scheduling, you-, you can only have it like in in certain ways. You're either against load management, and that means you can't care about how the NBA schedules, or you're for load management, which LeBron is, which allows you to complain about scheduling. But I don't think that LeBron should be complaining about scheduling because you know why? I don't think that the NBA was sitting there making a schedule last summer or fall and said, hey, what's one way we can stick it to the Lakers You know, no. at the end of the season? And then somebody pops up and says – well, how about this? Uh, how about let's let's just throw this scenario out that they're 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 in a tight race with the uh, Clippers and the Warriors are also involved and they're jockeying for the five, six and seven spots and they're trying to get out of the play tournament. How can we screw LeBron in this scenario? Well, I got an idea. Let's make a play a back to back at the end of a five game road trip, even though that last game is in L.A. Perfect. Genius. It's absurd, okay? And I know that's not what LeBron is saying. That 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 this was all set up for them. But what LeBron is doing is he's not taking responsibility for any of the games that the Lakers had lost previously, which wouldn't have made the scheduling conflict be so conflicting to them. All they had to do, Rich, was win a couple of more games. And you're not sitting there arguing. Instead, you're looking at a road trip where you t- took four games on this road trip, you you know you went to Houston, you went to Chicago, you went to Utah, you won the, you won these games that you needed to win, and if you look at the road trip as a whole, four and one on that road trip where they could have been maybe on the outside looking in, was an extreme success. But you lose to the Clippers again, which has become their bugaboo—what eleven in a row, or whatever it's been—the. The, it's just the fact that it goes to this, like, they, they really didn't need to go to this. They could have just, you know, Clippers maybe were better last night. But to sit there and say, like, uh, scheduling, scheduling got us again. They are who they are. And if you want a couple more games, you wouldn't have had to worry about the scheduling.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> that is such a perfect point. Uh, you, you know, when when you wouldn't be bothered by a back-to-back is if you guys were – I don't know 50 and 30 going into this. You know, I these final two games. Yeah.
5: You know, I th- then it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> if, <laughs> even if even Rich, even if if they were two games up. If they were two games up and you have the back-to-back decision. Yeah. So two games up on the Clippers. What you could say is, all right, we've got a back-to-back here. How do we maximize this back-to-back? Yeah. Do we go all in on the Utah game because you know we can win that one or do we go all in on the Clippers game maybe put that Utah game in harm's way and we could leave Owen 2. A lot of times what teams would do is you know what we're going to make sure we're going to get the win against the bad team. We're going to make or the, the the team that isn't as good. So we're going to go all in on Utah, and we would rest our guys against the Clippers, because it wasn't a given that you would get the win against the Clippers. Now, they did need to go to overtime to beat Utah, but that would even have been a scenario where if they were up two games, you could have just said, we're going to play our guys in Utah, and we're not going to play them against the Clippers, and we're just going to try to finish out the the string that way over these last couple of games. You win a couple more games, you have a lot more at your disposal, including sitting guys last night, like they could have if they would have been two or three games up.
6: Yeah, forty. 4 and 36 or I don't know 45 and mm-hmm. 35 something like that like if if your record was even just a little bit better you you could have you could have been in a situation a much different situation look again I, i'm not going to criticize somebody for an injury it is amazing what lebron james is still able to do at his age let alone uh, dealing with some of the injuries that he's recently been dealing with. I, I, I do think when the Lakers are 100% healthy and they've had a little time to gel and play together and get used to all the, you know, the stars on the court together, I think they're still one of the most dangerous teams in the NBA. The problem is there are other stars around the West especially, but around the NBA who are younger and healthier and aren't complaining about end-of-season back-to-backs. It's just, it. Look, I mean, sports. It's a young man's game. Doesn't matter what sport yep. you're talking about. We could be talking about bowling right now. Age matters. Age matters in life. I, I mean, it's, it's. I, I, I mean, I'm not an ageist i I was just talking about how Tiger Woods has been you know one of my sports heroes i mean, he's an incredible athlete and he's and and he may be entering the greatest era of his career, considering he's still competitive after you know after handling and dealing with. All of the, the, the physical uh, uh, ailments that he's suffered over the past decade. I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing. So I'm still amazed at the spectacle of LeBron James when LeBron James is 100% healthy. But I hate the excuses. I don't like hearing it from Tom Brady. I don't like hearing it from Bill Belichick. I don't love hearing it from Aaron Rodgers or, 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 or Tiger Woods even. Yeah it's just yeah it, it, it's, I, I just I just think it, it comes off I've always tried to be careful of this when, when I was playing especially. Like I always was try, I always tried to be careful who I complained to about the job, right? Because when you're making as much money as you are and you're playing a game even with all of the injuries that you expose yourself to playing football and that's a very violent sport. When I was talking to my buddy who was literally digging ditches, like he was construction worker and he's trying to work his way up the ladder. Like he would show up to the job site at five in the morning and would be digging trenches. And to complain to him about how hard of a day I had, it just seemed ridiculous. And I think that I think that's the perspective that a lot of these athletes, a lot of these coaches, a lot of these superstars, they lose sight of is who are you talking to? You're speaking to the general public. You're telling me you can't suck it up for a back-to-back, like that's too big of an ask. I'm sorry, LeBron. I mean, then that means you're too
5: old. Yeah, there's uh, great, great points. And let somebody else say that. Let you and me come on today being like, you know what, the Lakers didn't have it last night. But what do you expect them to do? You know, the NBA makes them play a back-to-back after, you know, a road trip that took them across the country, and then they have to immediately play in L.A. and the Clippers had all these days off. That's what people were doing before the game. But when you end up bringing it up, it sounds like it's sour grapes. And they accomplished a lot. Like, that road trip was an absolute success. Last night was a big game that many pointed even – you know, as soon as they beat the Jazz, heck even before they beat the Jazz, a lot were pointing at at the game that occurred last night. Clippers shorthanded themselves without Paul George, uh, end up dominating the game. And yeah, the Lakers were sluggish at the beginning and couldn't get it going, and it you know, really wasn't much of a game except for a little spurt in the second half. But but that's kind of the the let us say it. You know, and Mark Medina joined us last hour and I, I completely agree with Mark. I want athletes to say whatever they feel. But I also feel that LeBron saying that it's contrived in a way that he wants to get his point out that he's not happy with the scheduling in in, in, a, in such a in such a subtle way. If you want to come out and say, you know, this back-to-back screwed us and blah, 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 you know, maybe he's trying to avoid the fine. I, I, I just it, it to me, it was, you know what, you got beat probably by the better team, even though they had, they had the same record last night. Um, but if but if if you are ready to do what you're ready to do, it shouldn't matter. Should have won a couple more games earlier in the season. You wouldn't have been in this position in the yeah. first place.
6: And then on top of it, like if if you want to make real change, um, maybe 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 do more work as a union rep. You know what I mean? Maybe have more of an active role. You know, defending sure. the the interests of the players. You know, behind the scenes. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's a time and a place to exert your leverage and talk about competitive fairness and and uh, and 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 have those grievances and those complaints come out. Um, But like you said, this just sort of sounds like whining, you know, And, and I don't know LeBron James to be a whiner. You know, I, I <laughs> mean, as a matter of fact, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. making an argument there. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I look, the it, it, point point made. I it's it's really one of those things, though that. It's just I feel like some of these guys, they're so isolated inside this bubble, inside this world, where they have a lot of people who will tell them what they want to hear, and they have a lot of people who will laugh at their jokes. Like, that was a subtle jab at the NBA. And the reporters who are crowded around him all chuckled along with him, and then they moved on to the next question. And I get it. I I mean, that's the reporter's job. They're there to ask questions. These players are there to answer questions. And like you said, I'd, I'd prefer him to answer all questions honestly but I mean if that's honestly how he feels to me it just sort of sounds like geez you know I mean you could all you could be critical of the NBA or you could be critical of the team that you're playing on that didn't win enough to put you in a situation where you could rest on a back-to-back
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, it's me,
2: Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker,
3: Free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
5: Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Rich Orenberger sitting in for Doug today as we are live from the tire studios. Isaac Lohenkron will give us a full update of what's going on in round one of the Masters to give us a taste of what life is like at Augusta National as a guy who's finished in the top 10 at the Masters three times during his career. The one and only six-time PGA Tour winner Hunter Mahan joins the program. Hunter, how are you? Very good, Dan. Thank you uh, for having me on. So, uh, so, so let's dive in. Rich and I talked a little Tiger Woods. We'll get to Tiger a little bit later, but explain, explain to us what John Rahm did. And for those that maybe are in their car, maybe they're just getting off work, uh, hopping in. Starts off double bogey today, and then uh, plays the rest of the round nine under par over the next seventeen holes. Finishes at seven under after a sixty-five. Is there a way you can put into words the type of round that John Rahm had today?
4: Um, I mean, he's really one of the best players in the world. I think he's been waiting for this week. So, um, I think for him, <laughs> you know, you think like, I want to get off to a good start and then you're like four puts per soul and he's like, well, crap. But <laughs> I think he just started, I think I think it probably calmed him down a little bit because I'm sure he was pretty amped up because um, for a guy like him, these are the moments that you want to play in. And so the conditions are fantastic. I think he's still a confidence in his swing and how he was actually playing and having a par five on the next goal. I think he birdied that one, got himself back into the rhythm of the game and he looked darn right flawless after that. So um, the conditions are perfect. And he took a, took advantage of that and showed his, uh, probably a lot of maturity today for, uh, for someone who's trying to win uh, another major.
6: Speaking of maturity, these golf changes or these golf courses have to change year after year because the game has changed, and so we're seeing at Augusta, like many courses that host annual tournaments, the changes being made mostly making these courses longer. For example, the thirteenth uh, hole—it's a tricky hole to play at Augusta National—it's now going to be thirty-five yards longer. You know, in, in terms of where the technology is pushing the game of golf and how much stronger these athletes are, do you think there's going to be a point where the PGA will really have to institute, you know, restrictions on exactly how far the ball can sail or how fast these clubs can swing? Or do you think that's just sort of an idle threat?
4: Well, the the USGA is coming after the ball and they're they're going to do that. They're fully going to, but a limit on the ball. And now I don't know how they're going to do that. Right. They're going to, I, I know they've had conversations with all the ball companies to figure out how are we going to limit the distance of these balls and the flight and everything. Um, but that's definitely coming. Now the question is what's the PGA tour going to do about it? Are they just going to say, well, that's their rule and this is our rule. So I know a lot of players have been sort of for that. And, but there's been players like, you know, Tiger came out and Rory came out. So they're very, they're totally on board with the limited flight balls. So Um, You know, technology of the game in the game last 10 years from so many perspectives, from a teaching perspective and from the ball and from clubs has made golf a lot different um, and evolved. And it's changed the course setup is, is how course architecture is going to really move forward. It's going to be really, really interesting. Some of these courses, though, are just they are what they are. They can do very little to change that, except. Um, you know, add some bunkers into certain carry distances and make greens really fast. Uh, but it is going to be something to think about because clearly a lot of these major organizations are thinking about it and they're trying to figure out how they can keep um, sort of the game of golf and the history of these courses sort of intact moving forward.
5: Hunter Mahan joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Rich Hornberger. I'm Dan Byer, sitting in for Doug Gottlieb on the Doug Gottlieb Show talking Masters. Do you like the changes they made on thirteen?
4: Um, I think that I think it was probably inevitable. I, I you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays this year, but this hole is still reachable. It's still uh, reachable for almost every player in the field. So I, I, I do like it. Um, it's still going to add the roars on the back, man, because Augusta hearing the wars and hearing the opportunities for Eagles, for guys to make up a lot of shots on the back down on the Sunday is one of, the, one of the coolest things about this event. So I, I think it's, Um, it's, it was probably necessary. Um, but, uh, and, and I think it's just going to change, you know, maybe guys, because a lot of guys are hitting through and now they're probably just going to be hitting drivers and it might make the hole a little bit easier in some capacity because they know they're not going to go through. So we'll see how it kind of plays this week. And and we'll probably get a lot of data from, from the event and how it played from different years, which is kind of neat, but, um, it was probably inevitable. A change like that was going to happen.
5: I can tell you right now, and just sorry to interrupt, Rich, uh, one Eagle, 29 Birdies, 29 Pars, nine Bogeys, and one Double uh, today on 13. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 Very, the lack yeah. of the, you know, like, I, I guess like yeah. that was the worry, like, that you're taking Eagle out of the equation. We only had one today.
4: Yeah, so. it is a tough pin. It's all the way on that back right, too. It's not super easy to kind of get back there. So we'll, we'll see when the pins are up on the front where it's a little bit more accessible to be aggressive. But um, that's not, you know, you know, it's kind of 50-50 there, probably playing around around five, which is kind of um, probably what they want.
6: Over the course of your career, how did things evolve competing against Tiger Woods? Like, did you notice at, at times there it felt different when he was on – I mean, certainly when he was in that winning window, it was – Insane, and a lot of people have outlined that. But did you notice different evolutions of, of his competitiveness and what it really felt like being on, on tour with him and competing uh, during tournaments with Tiger Woods over the course of your career?
4: Yeah, it, he, he's, he had sort of like this Kobe evolution, I always felt like, in terms of when he came out, it was to win and to destroy. Like, there was no other option. Like, I am here to... The to win tournaments, and that's just about it and I'm here to destroy you, and I don't care about your feelings at the end of the day we're I'm not here to be your friend um, and then it's as time, it seems like he's appreciated the game of golf and appreciated the guys on tour more and more, like he's got real friendships, real deep friendships with a lot of these guys on tour, especially guys um in their thirties and even younger, like I think he's kind of entered that mentor. Uh, mentorship type of period. I think he really likes that. He really enjoys it because at the end of the day, he truly, truly loves to play golf and he loves to compete. And he's just like every, you know, every amateur out there who's going to the range and to just hit that pure feeling. That's an addicting feeling is to hit, you know, some five iron straight up in the air, just the way you imagined and hit it soft on the green and just right where you're looking to set up an eagle or a birdie or something. That's what gets Tiger Woods going. And that's never, ever changed from all the time that I play with him when he was playing great um, to maybe when he was struggling after Hank, he truly loves to work and he loves the game of golf. And that's even, you know, a guy who's, you know, his leg is clearly in rough, rough shape. He's still here to compete and to challenge himself. And that's from when he first came on tour to today. That's, you know, that's what Tiger Woods is about.
5: Hunter Mahan joining us here on Fox sports radio. Get him on Twitter at Hunter Mahan. He's rich Ornberger. I'm dad buyer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb today. Um, since rich mentioned your, your playing career, you did finish top 10, three times at Augusta. What are these guys going through? How does, how is this evolution over these four days? What were your experiences when you played well at Augusta? What, you know, what is, what is a John Rahm or a Victor Hovland going to feel like? What is, you know, a guy who's four shots back, you know, after today going to feel like, how does this, how does this weekend kind of evolve for a player that's in contention?
4: Well, yeah, the, uh, Looks like weather's going to play a factor into this week in, in a big way. Um, I think you know, this is to win a major championship or to win it, I guess that you're going to have to bring your mental strength for all four days. Like, this is just such a grind um, playing here. There's, for all the great opportunities there are, there's always these challenges in these holes where you, can, you really got to watch this putt because it's super, super fast, and you got to pay attention on this shot because there's maybe a water over here or you don't want a bad angle. It's just the course is so artistic, and it's so interesting to play, and it can evolve and change throughout the week really depending on the weather. So I think no matter if someone shot seven under or even par today, I think they know that they still have three days to uh, make up shots or they still have three days to compete and to ground against the best players in the world.
6: Yeah, Hunter, I, I'm, when I think about the Masters, I just think about pressure, you know, because I'm sure for the many golfers, or I shouldn't say many, it's really select, uh, who have walked those same holes that the greats have and, you know, observing those who are still wearing their green jackets, that's, that's got to, that's just got to play different you know psychologically than any other term and is that accurate like i mean is it truly the mystique that makes that that place different from other places that even majors that golfers have to compete in
4: well yeah i mean i think you know contrary to gary player i do think this is the best major to win in the world i think it's the most exciting and it's the most it's you're walking every step you're walking the greats have walked and you're hitting the shots that they hit. You can't really say that after maybe you won a British or a PGA. It could. They're always a, kind of different courses, right? So you rarely get those moments to where Tiger chipped in from here. You know, um, you know, Seve hit this incredible shot. Norman did this. Nicholas hit that five iron towering high, maybe Like all these moments that every golfer is watching today and this weekend, they can find a moment that when they watched it in the past that. A champion did this or this happen or something amazing, right? Like you can feel it. Every time I see the hole, I can flash back to what I did when I played and, and the great things that happened and the bad things that happened. So it's just having it be there and having all the players the former the champion center. There's so much history and nostalgia to it that I think golf fans absolutely love and I know all the players do. And it's a it's a special, special place to um to get to go at just from a fan perspective and to for myself to have played it, played it as an amateur was truly, truly special, um, and, and to play it so many times and, and kind of been in the hunt, you know. With some Fred Couples on Sunday was just you know one of the coolest experiences of my life to be with Fred Couples on a Sunday, trying to contend, trying to compete, trying to win um, at the Masters, and just sitting on a, the top of 15, looking down to my left, um, and hearing all the roars. It's just so it's so powerful, right? It's like a religious experience for any
5: golfer. That, that's what I wonder, and, and and we'll let you go here in a sec, but it, it's I, I usually think, and I have not performed at the level that either of you guys have, Rich in the NFL or you on the PGA Tour, not not even close. But I would think that once, you know, if Rich is two minutes into a football game, once you get a couple of hits, you settle in. Um, I'm sure after the first tee, I would imagine, you know, you hit your second shot, you kind of start to settle into the round. Augusta, to me, seems like the place that it pops up um as you mentioned, like on 15, I would think just walking from 11 to 12 is where it brings you back to almost first tee jitters. Is there is there anything like that? Is there anything comparable into what I'm saying when you play Augusta? Um, or yeah, are you just settled those, in or focused in and, you know, 12 is 12 and you got to make par or birdie or whatever?
4: I think after, you know, a few times you get to play. But I think playing Thursday, or Friday is kind of, especially in the crowd, but when, when you're on the weekend and you're kind of in contention or you can kind of see yourself on the leaderboard or, or things like that, you know, you, you're walking to 12 and you're hearing the fans clap. There's such a, um, you know, a church feel to it, right? Everyone's, everyone's on their best behavior when they go to Augusta because no one can really step out of line, fans or players or whatnot. Right. So everyone's attention and respect for the event and what the players are doing and what the fans are experiencing is, is there's, nothing, there's nothing better. And I always like, like I said, the back nine is so special and it's so incredible. They're so unique. Twelve is such a unique hole because it looks so docile, but there's so many, there's so many traps to it. And the par fives, you know, you can, a lot can happen. Uh, like I said, I always felt like standing on 15 in that fairway, looking down at that hole seen 16 i've got 17 to my right you can almost see guys seeing off on 18 and then 14 and 13 and hearing the tee up in 12 it's just like so much is going on from that place it's it's hard to describe because when you're playing such a big tournament and there's so much going on it's kind of wild to be experiencing all of that at once
6: yeah what you're describing is actually so interesting i think because i played you know, at Happy Valley, uh, Beaver Stadium, Penn State, where, you know, 108,000 people will show up, 110,000 people will show up for a night game, and those whiteout games, or I've been to Notre Dame, I played there, I, you know, played at Lambeau Field, and a lot of people ask those questions like, hey, you know, what's it like? And I I, I think almost in every case... I say uh, every place I've been, it always kind of seems smaller in person or more intimate in some way in person. Uh, Yeah, and and I was about to ask you, like, Augusta National, on television everything looks so big. Like it feels like there's space and it's just this gorgeous flowing course. But, I mean, is it – I mean, when you're there, when you're actually on a tee box, I mean, it's tight, right? Like you're, you're right next door to your neighbors teeing off like you just described.
4: Yeah, you're you're 100% right, and so cool when you get there, there's the clubhouse, and then you kind of walk out to the practice putting green in the first hole. Everything is a pretty aggressive slope away from you, and everything goes down pretty quickly to 12. 12 is like the lowest spot of the course. So when you go there, I remember the, the first caddy I had, He was a local caddy there who's you know seen thousands and thousands of rounds. Right? First piece of advice is find 12 and know that every putt is going to go there. Every putt is just going to fall there because basically that's just you dropped a bunch of rain the rain would just fall all the way down uh, to the 12th green and so that was kind of the first piece of advice and then like you said you're walking through fans almost on every tee box and one of the coolest places has always been like 12 and 13 because 12 there's no fans around and there's just the reaction of when you make a putt like you hit it you're watching it goes in and you have a reaction and you kind of look at your caddy or whatever and then the fans see it and so there's this weird there's always these personal Uh, moments at Augusta where you're just kind of there with the other golfers, which is really special. And there's all these times where where you're going through kind of 15 and 16, where you're going right past the fans and you're kind of, it feels like you're actually in, you know, you would be in the stands if that makes sense (laughs) Yeah. uh, when you're standing there trying to hit your shot. (laughs)
5: That's amazing. You know, even as a spectator, that's what hit me about 12 is we couldn't really see what you guys were doing on the green. We just yeah. kind of had to take your word for it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Well, watch what you did. Hunter, we appreciate the time, man. Great insight, great stories. And, uh, yeah, let's do it again soon. How about that?
4: Thank you, Dan. All right, go Xander. He's my man <laughs> this week. Yeah. All
5: yeah, right. Sharply. There it is. Uh, Hunter Mahan. Get him on Twitter, at Hunter Mahan. Uh, PGA Tour, six-time PGA Tour winning, winner joining us here on Fox Sports Radio.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast.